Hey everyone, welcome to the Hot Up Podcast. I'm Jesse Hill. And I am Hank Berman. And we are graced by his presence, Mr. Buddy Leach. How you doing, bud? I'm good. Thank you for having me here. Thank you. How was the traffic? It was uh, kind of a mess today. Everybody was going about four miles an hour. <laughs> In the left lane? In the left lane. Perfect. Everybody, everybody spent their money and they're trying to conserve gas as much as possible before the taxes are due. So That's right. So uh, anyways, uh, Hank, I know that you and Buddy are friends and I would like to, uh, one, learn how you knew him or, or know him where y'all met and then also um, we'll dive into Buddy's story. Okay. Um, I don't even know if you know the whole story to this, Buddy, but um, one of our favorite watering holes, uh, a bunch of uh, the fellas that I know and I were in 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 it and uh we were talking they were asking me where are you playing this week hank and blah 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 and so buddy walked over and uh asked if i was a musician and i said yes and uh i i, I said are you a musician because a lot of people will that's like their their way of saying they're musicians by asking you and so i i asked him immediately kind of put him off a little bit saying, well, uh, where do you play? And he said, well, I just moved here from Nashville. And I said, oh, okay. Well, do you play anywhere on the coast? And he said, uh, no, I just, just, just got here, but I, I play with George Thorogood and we all kind of snickered <laughs> Jay and the boys. And we were just kind of like, oh yeah, sure. He plays with George Thorogood. So as Buddy went to walk back to his seat, um, we all got our phones out and sh lo and behold, there's buddy with George Thurgood. And we all said, Hey buddy, come on back, <laughs> have a drink, hang out That's with right. us. Come on, fella. Come on over and have a beer. Hang with the boys. And that's the beginning. That's right. Uh, I had just moved down here, <clears throat> excuse me. And, uh, Hank was one of the first, uh, uh, folks I met down here who played, who, you know, who play here. And I was sitting across the bar. I just heard Hank talking about, you know, his gigs and all that. And right. so that's how I met old Hank. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Good thing you met me first. I kind of broke you into the the underbelly of the music industry on the Golden well, Gulf Coast. Actually, I knew I knew one other guy down here from Nashville, our old buddy Mitch Stewart. Oh, that's right. I remember you telling me that. Right. Yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. Mitch said, hey. Why don't you come over to this place in Ocean Springs called Lynchburg Landing? They have this Tuesday night jam over there. You know, and I didn't know anything about Ocean Springs or Lynchburg Landing. So I go in there, and I mean, it's like a drug den in there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so it all began. So I met uh, a lot of the Ocean Springs guys first. Yeah. And then uh, went from there. So you play saxophone? Yes. And do you play any other? Now, saxophone, I'm, this has always confused me. I know you have wind and you have brass. What a sax? It's a woodwind. Woodwind. See, I always thought it was brass because it's gold like the other brass, but that's not. It's a woodwind because it has a reed on it. Uh, I, I, saxophones, clarinets, oboes, things like that. Those it's are wind. woodwinds. And how, long have you been, how long have you been playing it? Well, I started in the fifth grade when I was 10 years old and uh, I was the poster child of the band geek. There you go. Uh, I had wonderful band directors and so uh, I got into you know the band when I was in the fifth grade and then when you get into the seventh grade you can go on and be in the high school band the marching band. I went 
now you're talking. Now, what's where, where were you? Where are you at when you were younger? I'm uh, born and raised in uh, West Tennessee, a little town called Milan. Uh, it's just about maybe two hours east of Memphis. And have you always loved music? Yeah, pretty much. Like I'm about to say, if you're from Tennessee, it's kind of ingrained in you. Well, Buddy's also a, a learned musician. He studied music in school and college. And, wow. So and, you, uh, yeah, he's not yep. just like one of us rats rats out <laughs> rats. there that sat in our bedroom rats learning, that found an instrument and just started yeah, playing. learning chords. Buddy, Something like that. Yeah, Buddy actually knows what he's doing. Wow. Now yeah. what, what school did you like what school did you attend for music? I went to uh UT Martin, which is over in uh, uh northwest Tennessee. And uh I was in college, studied music, uh, got my uh, bachelor's in music education and uh taught one year of of uh band, high school band. That I would love to have seen. Oh man. And so it's really funny, like there when I was in college, uh there was a bunch of us who all were in music and we had a, and we had a band and, and the band was called hangar because the first time we ever got together was in this airport hangar. And so this is like, you know, the seventies. So we're doing blood, sweat and tears, yeah. and, uh, Chicago tower of power. And we had this horn section. We had five horns. Wow. How many pieces was the band? 10. Wow. So you made 50 cents each. <laughs> if we're, if, if we're lucky. And uh, so in college, we all hung together. We were all, you know, in the band doing the uh, uh, gigs on the weekends and stuff. And so when everybody graduated from, from uh, you know, from school, a lot of the guys went to Nashville. And I stayed over in West Tennessee and I taught high school band for one year. And, that, and so that was enough. <laughs> and so in i guess it was 1978 i moved to nashville and that's where it all kind of started so so you gigged around town in nashville and uh, uh worked various places i guess or did you work with any names at that time or was it uh musicians in the trenches well when i first moved up there there was this uh, theme park in nashville called opryland Opryland, uh, USA. Right, right. And they had uh, several shows there, and uh, and a lot of the shows would use horn sections. And so when I first moved to Nashville, th that first summer, I worked at Opryland, and and I met a bunch of guys, you know, around who had been in Nashville for a long time, you know. And I and I was thinking, well, you know, I can, I can come to Nashville. I can maybe maybe get into the session scene around here, right? You know, and so. I went out and I started hearing all these other guys, all these other horn players that were doing sessions around town. And I went, I think I'm going to have to find another niche. <laughs> <laughs> so I've always been kind of a road guy. Yeah. There was a fella, uh, Tommy Moran down here who played at, at Dock of the Bay in, in Bay St. Louis with Jerry Fisher, and, um, which was a great band, Johnny Hosey and Eric Watkins, Daryl Brown, uh, Gene Houston on drums. And uh, Tommy was going to Nashville. They had a big send-off. I mean, he was a really good steel guitar player, really good guitar player. And um, a big, big hoopla, you know, send-off. You know, he had knew a couple people up there. It's similar to your story is why I'm telling it. And um, he, went, he went off, and about a month he came back quietly. And everybody asked, well, what, why are you back? And he said, well, 
He said, uh, I was told that I was really good, but when the guy working behind the counter at 7-Eleven can play rings around you and he can't get a gig, I figured I'd come back home. And, that's right. And that's, that's the same type thing. You it's, know, very, it's, it's very humbling. It must be. And, and it must be at the same time very clicky as to who you know and who can get you in, that type thing, I would imagine. Well, you know, in the 70s, which was like 100 years ago, uh, Nashville was kind of a, a small, big town. And a lot of people knew each other. I mean, you know, you know they all kind of ran in circles. Right. And uh, or in cliques. Yeah. But, uh, but again, I, I found out really fast once I started hearing all these other guys who have been there for a while. And they're, you know, they can play everything from, you know, rock and roll to hardcore jazz. You know, so that's when I found out that I'm going to have to... Uh, find my own path here so yeah i did american idol i think years ago when i was younger i 17 18 years old when i got there you think okay i've been told i can sing um i I have a good ear and maybe i have a shot and i get there and you're walking around this auditorium or this big stadium and it's not like a packed stadium what they do is they take all the people in the crunch in one section and make it look like it's packed but it's, it's probably one fourth full right Imagine the Mississippi Coast Coliseum, about one fourth full. That's what shows up, and they judge. They judge out, and when you're listening to them from the seats, because it's like twelve different judges. It's not like you walk on there and you see the three famous judges. You got to go through different rounds. Ninety-five to ninety-six percent of the people can sing their butt off. Right, it, it makes you think, wow. And like they they take the the goofballs, you know, and they they make <laughs> sure they go through because that's entertainment. But it shows you real quick that a lot of people. Out there, a lot of talent, a lot of talent. Right. So, not saying if you, if you can sing or if you play an instrument, you're not special. I'm just saying there's a lot of special people sure. out there. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you 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 go to Nashville. You 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 see everybody. Um, you mentioned George Thorogood. When did, when did it, when did you get to that level? Like where was the? Uh, when did you begin playing with George? Yeah. How did that come about? From 1996 till night till 2003, I was. I had moved back to Nashville. I I, I, I moved around a lot. Uh, I was never in one spot very long, it seems like, ever since I was, you know, like in my 20s. But from in 1996, I was working in this music store. And then a new music store came to town called Thoroughbred Music, which, which was a chain of, uh, this chain out of Florida. That's and right. They, and they put a new store in Nashville. It was a huge store. And so... There was this guy, Jeff Pitt. Jeff Pitt worked in the pro audio part of the store. And, uh, and I was working in the band department, selling band instruments and music and that kind of thing. And so one day I look up and Jeff Pitt is not there anymore. And I say, well, hey, man, what happened to Pitt? And uh, they said, oh, Pitt got a gig with somebody. I'm not sure. He's on the road doing something. I went, oh, okay. And so... Maybe six months later, Jeff Pitt comes back into the store, and he says, "Hey, man, this is a uh, the the band is looking for a sax player, and uh, wanted to know if you like to uh, audition for the gig." I went, "Yeah, who is it?" <laughs> he says, "Oh, I'm with uh, George Thorogood." I went, "Oh, wow!" And so I'm thinking, "Well, I've never even I, I never did listen to George Thorogood." <laughs> oh, wow, wow! <laughs> you know, I mean, I, like I knew he had bad to the bone and. You know, right. all of his biggers, you know, like all like all, all these big hits, you know. I went, 
I'm like, sure. So this is like in April of 2003, right? And so he gave me a list of, of some songs that have all the signature sax parts in it, and, and especially the uh, 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 bone solo. Right. So I mean, I worked on those songs, and I got it, I got them note for note, note for note. I'm like, I'm ready. And so I go over to Jeff Pitt's house, and I had to play along with tracks, and then they would send it off so the guys can hear it. So I guess it was maybe three months later. I'm still at the music store. Here comes Jeff Pitt. I said, hey, man, how, you know, I said, so how are things going? He says, well, the band, uh, George wanted to hire someone who's, who's kind of a named guy. So they hired this guy from uh, New York, Arnold Hecht. Arnold Heck uh, played with the Uptown Horns, and he's kind of well-known. I went, oh, okay, cool. And so maybe six months later, Jeff Pitt comes back in the store and says, hey, man, how you doing? He says, well, we got rid of uh, Arnold Heck. He was a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I went, oh, okay. He says, yeah, but George wanted to hire this guy named Eddie Shaw, and Eddie, and Eddie Shaw is this older blues guy that uh, – George had known for a long time, so I went, well, the hell with it. <laughs> and, and so I was kind of tired of doing the, the uh, store gig, so I, quit the, so I quit the store, and I went back on the road with this, with this 50s band called the Bandells. And we were in some county fair in Ohio or something. <laughs> this is in August. So then I, so then I, so then I get a call from, this, from George's uh, manager. He says, hey, uh, we wanted to fly you out to uh, Boise and uh, see how you do with the show. I went, okay. And uh, that's it. So things worked out. So after about seven months of waiting. So Jeff Pitt was, was the bad oh, egg. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He, was, he was the bad luck guy. Je uh, Jeff Pitt, <laughs> who is their front of house guy, and, and who is still with George. He's been with him for 25 years now. So uh, thank you, Jeff Pitt. There you go. Yeah. So this was in the 90s. Now, I'm going to rewind for a second. So you left the school. You were taught there for a year. And you said, hey, I'm going to go make my own way. Where did you head after that? Where, did you stay in Tennessee or did you go back to, did you travel around more? Or? Are you talking about after I left uh, teaching school? Yeah, teaching school. I wanted to rewind a little bit. Oh, and get that uh, well, this is in 1978. Uh, How do you remember all these dates, uh, man? And <laughs> Uh, that's about all I can, that's about all I can. <laughs> so it was in 1978. So I, I, uh, a lot of my friends had moved to Nashville and I went, okay. And so, uh, I knew a, a friend who had a house and they were renting it out. So I moved up to Nashville and then again, it didn't take long, just maybe a few months. That, you know, I, I found out that I'm not going to be able to make a living trying to stay in town and do sessions. It's not going to happen. So uh, I got a, a gig with this band called Shadow Facts. It was kind of a Joni Mitchell. Oh, wow. Uh, Tom Scott, LA Tom Express. Tom Scott kind of thing, but they did, uh, you know, they did a lot of their own music. And uh, I guess I was with those guys for like a year. And was it a touring band? I mean, were you guys all over the place? Oh, we were a touring band. We had a trailer, and we, I think the guy had a 1967 Valiant perfect pull in the trailer and we, all four of us were all piled up we piled in the car nice and, you know we just 
went wherever we could go and, you know, to make a buck, you know. Did you have an agent or was it, were you guys just booking on your own? I think uh, they just booked themselves. Yeah. And, uh, well, you ended up in San Diego too, didn't you? The way, the way life was going, the, the, the road took me to San Diego. I was out there for uh, about four years. But that, but that was, you know, after I was still with George. So, um, yeah, so I lived in California for a while, and then I, then I moved back to uh, Nashville. And, um, again, the way life goes, I ended up down here in uh, Gulfport, Mississippi. The great city of Gulfport, Mississippi. That's right. On the Golden Gulf Coast. That's right. So, so you, you moved down here. I'm just going to ask because I hear I'm here in Tennessee. I'm here in San Diego. I mean, do you like it down here? Yeah. Good. It's it's a little slower than most places. Like when I say slow pace. I do like it down here. I've met some really good people and and I love Hank Berman, you me, know. Me too. I think the uh, I think the everybody that knows know, knows Hank, they always come back with something good to say. And you know, and Hank uh helped me meet other people and uh and so I've been actually been staying pretty busy when I'm not on the road. That's and great. So, so uh, but I really enjoy it here. Well, tell us about the bands that you, besides, well, you and I have played together some, and which has been great, but you play with other people. Tell me about them. Well, I play every now and then with this group down here called the Chitlins. Uh, they're kind of a, they were actually talking about, they don't know what genre they are. It's kind of a bluesy, swampy, country rock kind of thing. So, uh, Bucky Cole calls it uh, power blues. Oh, that's an interesting term. I like that, power blues. So I do some gigs with the Chitlins whenever they can bring in the extra piece. Um, and I do some gigs with you, know, with you Hank. Mm-hmm. Some. True. And then uh, uh, there's another band called the uh, Rougarous, who I did some gigs with for a while. And then... Um, Billy Miller? Billy Miller and mm-hmm. the Soul Savants. Soul Savants. Great name, Soul Savants. Yeah. I like that name. And um, and so now I'm working on doing uh, some single and duo things, uh, doing like cocktail music. I have a, plus I have my own little home studio, so I can do some work out of there. Uh, I can uh, get tracks and I can send horn tracks back and I also do some writing and do, and do some arranging. Do you work with other people around the world? Uh, a little bit. Uh, there's this guy named Eight Ball Aiken. Great name. Eight Ball. Must be a good pool player. Uh, I guess. <laughs> uh, Eight Ball lives in Australia. He lives like near Brisbane. But I met him in Nashville. And uh, he's a quirky guy. Uh, he's, I think, I, I think eight, eight, eight Ball might be 40, but he should have been born in the 60s you know he's like he's got that old soul but uh i do some things with eight ball and um so through technology you're able to work he said you can send tracks back he sends you the song and you can record the track and send it back to him and yes uh, so you don't have to leave the comfort of your home yeah that's right or or, uh put another stamp on your passport you can just (laughs) that's right just stay here uh, so I do Which some things awesome. with him, and then the, I have some other uh, friends in Nashville that send me things, and um, they mostly want uh, horn tracks and things, so I send that back to them. Yeah, so I stay pretty busy doing that. That's great. That's wonderful. That yeah. is. So I'm interested because you're, 
not considered one of the rats like like somebody who just picks up a guitar or like somebody picks up a mic and just sings and plays like you really know music and probably music theory and stuff because you have your education with that um what is your out like what is your today's music i mean what do you think about it just i know that's a broad question but just like do you like today's music do you like to see where music's going that's something i like to do ask. you listen to it yeah do you listen like what do you listen to i listen to some of it i i have a hard time listening to well you know they used to call it top 40 i don't know what casey, it is casey Kasem. casey Kasem. uh i'm the same way i could tell you what the top 10 songs are i'm starting to get that way you know Usually I, I would stay on top of it but now i'm getting to the point where i don't i don't even know either i think i, I think it was the american music awards was on maybe a few weeks ago i didn't know anything i didn't know one song did I you know any of the people no that's crazy isn't it I, I i i say that because i understand i'm the same way i don't think the top 10 my own opinion the top 10 is conducive to what we do for yeah. one, it's more of a, for lack of a better term, generic kind of this. It's it's like a like a uh, cut recipe. It's a recipe. It's it's the same thing to me. Um, it's dance. Forget about your troubles. Forget about anything. Yeah, just go with the beat and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, what responsibility? I don't I don't hear <laughs> any soul or emotion, and that's I know that's unfair, and I I know that I'm wrong because there's somebody out there that that does have all of that but i'm just talking about just the no, that, way the the genre is running it just seems like it's all dance or or kind of a the, techno electronic yeah, like, yeah that's like, what i hear I, I don't hear anything that that is memorable to me i, I can tell you like I, there are some indie stuff out there that it's just really hard to find but when you find it, you're like Gosh, yes. why are these people not big they yes. don't give the, they don't get a shot yeah. Yeah. and it's beautiful music sometimes i agree um is anyway. there is there even a sax solo in any of the top forty? I mean, it's that kind of. Uh, I don't thing, pertaining I, to us. I don't think so. I, I don't think so. You either. know, I'll you know I'll be in the car and I'll and I'll and I'll put the radio on, which is supposed to be, I guess, playing your pop rock, popular music, right? You know, and I might and I'll hear a song. Go, oh, well, I like that song. You know, it's got a nice groove to it. You know, and I'm really bad about not listening to the lyrics i mean i mean they could be singing about cutting somebody's legs off you know i don't know <laughs> but yeah um i guess i'm just from the old school you know uh, i guess i am too I, I i can go into a store um clothing store and i'll hear something that i like mm -hmm. that is newer um i don't think it's it's top 40 kind of stuff but i hear something and i'll shazam it and it's like oh well that's cool i like that so it's not we're not saying that we don't like everything it's just not like it was as far as even you know rock and roll or whatever it's just it, you don't hear that type the listener used to dictate what was popular what was not i feel like now the marketers in Nashville, in LA, the, 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 California, New York, the big they're stations. the ones that are pushing it. Yeah, for I, the, I think for you're the right. Sales. I don't think that's what's happened, which, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's not like one song or one type of music is bad and one kind of music is good. Yes. I mean, it's just what people like. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, you're right. You know, uh, you know, what the hell do I know? You know, same here. <laughs> so now what's your, what's your favorite type of genre to play? 
I'm a I'm a soul and R and B kind of guy. Okay, so that sounds like my wife loves. Uh, randomly, I would ask Stephanie, Stephanie, yeah. what's your favorite type of music? I always thought she was going to say pop, country, maybe some indie. She's like, yeah. oh, soul and R and B. I was like, okay. I had this band director, my second band director. His name was Billy Watson, and this is like 1968, 67, right? And so, being close to Memphis, you know, there's a lot of you know. They they played a lot of the you know stacks you know all the soul music Wilson Pickett, you know all that stuff and then Billy Watson played in this band around the area called the Memphis Mud, and they had like th they had four horns and they did all the all the music that was popular in 1967 68 you know all that stuff and I went man I want to do that and. Uh, so that's how I kind of became a, an old soul dog, you know. That's yeah. cool. Now, have you have you gone back to? I know you said you were in Nashville. Have you been back recently and just seen the dramatic change? Because I know you said in the seventies it was like a small, small little big town, but I mean oh, now it's huge. When I moved down here six years ago, there were a hundred people a day moving to uh, moving to Nashville, and so they were tearing down all these all these old buildings that had been there forever, and they're building condos. That's so, a shame, in a way. Um, but I, but I get to Nashville about once every. It seems like about once every three or four months. But uh, it's it's changed, you know. And is it a dramatic change? Is it like just so noticeable because you talk about the buildings and stuff, or is it just the influx of people as well? Well, I mean, it's a big change for someone who you know who first moved there, you know, almost fifty years ago. Right. Um, are you going up there every three or four months to like gig or record or just see people? I go up there to see people and then. Uh, uh, the band has a, uh, they uh, have all their gear up there. And so we sometimes go up there to, uh, you know, to practice, uh, before tours. Um, have you been in one of those studios up there? Like I know, I know when you drive in Nashville, like everywhere you look, there's like a little, the studio. old RCA studio. There's one that's like really well known. It's like, it's got painting on it. I'm trying to remember what it's called. A bunch of them. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, there's there's a studio in every house. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's, now, now that's how it's gotten those right. famous recording studios. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. I, I, I I'm so bad about names, but uh, yeah, the the band did a some some tracking down on uh, Music Row and in some of the, in some of those studios there. I mean, there's so many there. Wow, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. I uh, my wife and I we went there and it was like an empty city. I forgot what it was about. Uh, it was probably around a holiday when everybody kind of fled Nashville and that's when we go. And maybe it's cause it was early morning. So everybody partied late at night and then they were bad. But like we woke up and uh, went down music row and everything. And it was just like, uh, it's a clean city. That's what I like kind of about it. When, I don't know. You probably know more about it, but when I visited, I realized Nashville's a pretty clean city. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, uh, you know, you go down to lower Broadway, of course, you know, that's where all the clubs are. And that's, it's rocking down there, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, but everybody has a studio now. It's, so like the age of like the big studios yeah, have kind of gone away yeah, because that's... now, you know, if you have a decent, uh, a decent microphone and a decent, uh, program to do tracks on, you could do stuff out of your own house. You know, I have these thing on, we use universal, uh, universal audio is what we use in this studio and, there are these plugins and it's for the RCA chambers. So 
I get I, I'll I'll put it on this voice and I can actually match Sinatra's voice or his the chamber of the room that he was in when he would sing a certain right. song. Yeah. To whatever I'm laying That's the amazing down. So stuff. it's it's really got to the point where and you don't need all this heavy lit up uh analog stuff. Now if you know digitally you can right. like, emulate all that and it's That's like, right. it's it's absolutely mind boggling. Well one of the things I think that kept the studios besides the fact that it was necessary because all this technology wasn't available was that the record labels would use that as leverage monetarily speaking that okay we're, we're going to front the band a quarter of a million dollars to go into this studio kind of like sharecropping and then you owe us that money and it takes forever if if you do in fact pay it back per record or whatever and so the bands would make their money on the road which was good for the record company as well because you're promoting your record and they're making the money. So they don't have that grip like they used to have. And, you know, I've, I've read about how the music industry has steadily lost money in that respect. Well, it's kind of like the big oil companies. They, they were on top for so long and they had, had it all. And, and this technology has loosened that grip. And a lot of people who couldn't make it in that way YouTube or whatever, social media, they're making good records and they're making money and they're making a living with it that 20 years ago, 30 years ago and past couldn't. So that's a, that's a good thing in that way. Now the record company still has mass productions, uh, advertisement. I mean, you know, can still, they've got the clout and the power to, they own the to, radio. to push you Yeah, and I mean, the radio. Like when it comes to getting in the, what's the one clear, car. clear, clear, something to, clear a uh, clear channel yeah is that it would be yeah the, the one there's like three big yeah uh, uh powers that run the the radio yeah uh, uh, anyway uh i regress but so that that's the complexity and, and the complexion of it has changed in that way so you know it seems like that uh a lot of money to be made is not in record sales but it's in merchandise that's true too i forgot about that yes merch so get so get your buddy leach shirt for fifty dollars boom fifty dollars yeah. plus tax plus tax plus tax ship, is plus 80 shipping. handling shipping. handling fee handling fee mm -hmm. um and if you want a custom signature that's 150 extra that's exactly right. that's yeah. right we're even right first edition on it i actually for my marketing business during the day i i've been it's funny you mentioned that for this past week i was like you know what i'm gonna look at some stuff and I have some cool ideas of, for videography and stuff, and also maybe even high note, we can in, in, you know include that. But it's like you build this store, and it's print on demand. So I build my design. I you know I have what I want it to look like. I pick the product, the type, and if somebody lands on that store and they want to buy that shirt or that hat, the order goes through. But there's this third party company that I'm using that right. they do right. the the printing, the the shipping, right? And I make a little sliver of that, but I don't have to even deal with it. I just create it and say, here's my design. I want a little cut out of it. Leave right. me alone. There are people selling seventy to eighty. Like this is what I saw: seventy to eighty thousand units since they started six months ago. Oh my gosh! With certain different sayings on a hat, and right. I'm just like, that's a lot of money if you're making three or four dollars. Well, unit. people will wear something if I mean aesthetically that they like. I mean, it's like Jimmy Buffett was the first one that I can remember in the seventies that everybody's tour shirts back then was just pretty much the name on it or yeah. this kind of bland thing. Well, he came out with those rich colors and the, the, selling the whole Caribbean 
parrot feel heads. and the parrots and all that stuff. And they were vibrant colors and bright. Well, even if you weren't a Jimmy Buffett fan, the shirt was cool. Oh, yeah. And so right there, there you go. I mean, that's that's so important. So as a touring musician with George, I'm sure you guys move a lot of merch. I'm sure, you, you know, and that's, that's, you know. Yeah, this year, you know, and I'm not a partner in the business, but just by hearing uh, George's manager and, you know, talk about this year, because we did 90, 93 shows. Uh, we were making up for COVID, you know, so we were really busy. We were, and you went to Europe and we and went Australia. everywhere. Uh, we were, uh, we, we went, to, we hit 12 countries in Europe and then we went to Australia, went to uh, New Zealand. And oh, then, wow. Uh, and then we did a, uh, we toured all over the, the States last summer with, um, uh, Sammy Hagar, Sammy Hagar, which was a total trip. <laughs> um, but just by hearing, uh, you know, some of the guys talk, uh, I mean, they, they could not have enough merch, you know? So, wow. So yeah. Everybody loves t-shirts, everybody, especially down here. Everybody likes those t-shirts. And hats. Yeah, sure. And cables. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I don't have a cable. <laughs> I forgot my cable. <laughs> I get a signature cable. <laughs> Buddy and I go, that's kind of a I'm not, inside the joke. Vo the voice is what gets me, man. That's, that's like a, yeah, I, have, I need a cable. <laughs> oh. Oh, boy. Hey, all, you know what? Is this an inside joke making fun of me because I called you or texted you about the cable? It was New Year's no, Eve. No, I get there. No, I'm like, Shit, I forgot my This is a joke on me. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is the uh, uh, the. No, uh, this is all about me. I'm the brunt of the joke. watering hole. Uh, yes, <laughs> our our place, and we uh, <laughs> something. I I don't know. I, I I was bitching one day about needing a cable or something, and Buddy came out with that and just floored me. I couldn't quit <laughs> laughing with that voice. It's great stuff. Cable. It, they always have a cable that doesn't work. Yeah. Well, Any musician knows that. New Year's Eve, I, oh, I that's show right. up. That's I show right. up and I got my iPad. I got my microphone. I, I got a good, nice press suit on. I'm walking in there. I was like, oh, shit. I forgot my mic cord. Yep. I was like, it's like 20 minutes till my gig starts. Right, right. My wife's got both the babies. She's not going to run it up there. Let me do some digging. So I started doing some digging. I couldn't find a mic cord. I was like, Hank. The last resort. Hank. The old Corey like, I've got to hear you play sometime. I've never even heard you play. It's nothing special. It's, oh, yes, it oh, is. Oh, on. here we go. Here oh. we go. <laughs> this is this is our show. No, he's he's a very good vocalist and uh, uh, does a, does very, very good. Well, I, I have mad respect for anybody who plays wood or uh, woodwind or brass because I like big band stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, I do. I, I do pretty much. It's not a Sinatra show. I always tell people I'm not an impersonator. I, I like to... What, what would I call it? It's not impersonate. It's uh You play homage to them. I mean, it's a yeah. tribute to it's, them. I it's have a little a, album that I came out with called Ode to the Crooner. There you go. And it's just, yeah. my I like my voice with those certain songs. You and talk, so, about, uh, talk about an old soul and a young man. That's that's Jesse. Uh, I love it. I love so, it all. So do you use the tracks with all, with all the horns? I do, I do the tracks. Um, I can play with a band. It's just really hard to find 10, 20-piece bands around here yeah, that right. will play big band music nowadays. Unless you go In to a small the, room let, to yeah, as well. Exactly. Yeah. But also, you know, if you go to the World War II Museum, they actually have a band out there, but they don't play much. Um, and I always would love to go out there and just play. Yeah. Stuff from the 40s sure. with the big band. My, my dad, who's, who's uh, 98 years old, um, we took him and my mom 
uh, I, I guess it's been about five years or so, certainly before she passed away. That's right. Yeah. And, and we took my dad and my mom and dad up there to hear Jesse at uh, Scarlet Pearl Steakhouse. And uh, Jesse pulled out all the guns. He, he, he pulled out all these songs besides the ones that everybody wants. He was singing these other songs and I've never seen my dad um, mouth the lyrics to these. To me, they were obscure because I didn't know them and I grew up with that stuff as well. But he, you put a big smile on their faces and it was just really great. So that was something that you did. And, um, All goes to show, no, but goes like to that, show yeah. your, your depth with it. And, and I thought that was really, really cool. And so that's, that's a memory I'll always have. Very awesome. So th there's a niche for everybody mm -hmm. and, and uh, you found yours and I like to think buddy and I have found ours as well. It's, it's so cool to actually watch that generation. And I was always fearful because when I started at 15, 16, singing that music, like I'm singing to the people who remember that music, whether it's their first dance or right. whatever. I mean, cause it was a lot of that movie music is from the forties, fifties, early sixties at latest. And then, um, I kept seeing, I kept realizing like, you know, I'll go to a show and somebody's passed away and it's like, you know, and, and yeah. now, now it's 2022, I'm 32. I'm like, you know, a lot of people, I've been to a lot of funerals cause I connect with people and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm my crowd's not going to be there. Do I need to move to the sixties or seventies? But what's great is the kids of those parents will come to me and make, that reminds me of my dad. It That's right. Me of my I think selection. it's a genre that, that will always be here. Timeless. Yeah. Timeless time. stuff. I hope so. Yeah. Just like, uh, just like the Archies or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yummy, yummy, yeah, yummy. I got love in my time. 1910 fruit. <laughs> <company>. <laughs> <laughs> this voice is getting yummy, me. I love yummy, this. Yummy, yummy. Oh, we got to do some voiceovers for you, man. We got, we got to come oh, up with yeah. a cartoon. That's perfect. Oh boy. I need a cable. I need a cable. <laughs> uh, oh. oh well. So Jesse Hill. So are you so where so where are you playing around here? I play a Scarlet Pearl on uh now it's kind of spotty. Uh they're making room for other people, which is great, you know. There's plenty of gigs for others, but um and then also Hotel Legends, and then a lot of private gigs, and uh, I got some Mardi Gras stuff coming. But Hotel oh. Legends because it's like theme for what I do, and then Scarlet Pearl. We've been there since what 2016. Um, so yeah. What about you, man? Where, where, you, where, where's your? What would you call your base, or where do you play at uh, mainly, or are you pretty much scattered and just playing all everywhere whenever you can? Are you talking about when I uh, come home, or just uh, or with George? Oh, and I'm talking about like uh, on the coast. On the coast, do you play on the coast? Yeah, uh, I, I I just mainly just play locally. Good. Um, some of the you know you know just your when you get the call. When I get the call, there you go. Um, I want to come see you. I mean, I love the sax. Oh, he's great. You uh, don't hear I, in fact, I I think I saw on your uh, Facebook page you'll be playing Win Dixie. Uh, when Dixie uh, next Monday at the when Dixie back over uh, over by the bacon by the bacon. Yeah. Okay, I thought it was produce section. Uh, my apologies but yeah i'll uh i'll play with some of the uh, weekend <laughs> wait, you know, what yeah. wait, what was that just now yeah um yeah. well i'm playing at walgreens i'll be in the uh <laughs> in the cold and medicine aisle uh next what wednesday from i'm about to say when takes you starting at two five, five a.m okay seven. good way off for that I'm gonna be right down the street, down at uh, CVS. CVS. Oh, oh, we're gonna oh, be we're competing the, against. Oh, we're by the photo department. Oh, that's a great gig. Yeah, yeah. Don't get framed. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm enjoying this. This is great. But uh, you know, there's you know there are a lot of little bars and things down here. So you know, 
you know, the bands I play with when I come home are just doing like weekend stuff. So yeah. it's all weekend warrior stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I like doing it. You know, I, I like playing any kind of like different kind of music, you know? Um, you know, and, and then again, when I, I'm trying to do my own thing, which is, uh, playing along with tracks mm-hmm. and I'm uh, wanting to do some of the fine dining cocktail hour type things. Heck yeah, man. You know, doing, uh, some jazz standards and, uh, stuff like that, you know? So awesome. I'll definitely, uh, when somebody's looking for something like that, I'll definitely be pushing you because I don't, I don't see a lot of saxophone players anymore. Uh, and, I, and I truly respect that. Much less instrument. good ones. Exactly. Exactly. There uh, was one guy down here, uh, but he but he moved away. Oh, I, I'm not. I, I wasn't Gary Caruso, was it? No, no. no. Uh, he, he played all over. He played. Oh yeah, yeah. Didn't he like go missing? He went missing. <laughs> he went missing. And I think <laughs> what I was ha- like, what happened? I think what happened. And I, and I well, he didn't go. <laughs> he. He ran off. Oh Lord! With some woman, <laughs> and uh, and I don't think his wife <laughs> cared much for that because they found his car. Like I think over here in Ocean Springs somewhere. People they found were ca- people were calling me like, "Hey man, have you seen them?" And I'm like, "Who? What? Why would I know?" I'm like, "I've I've ran into him a couple times, but like, man, y'all played music." And I was yeah, like, not together. Like we he, just played music. Like he had a gig somewhere. He was Martinis. Like, he That's was loading was. In, like he was loading in his gear, and then he loaded in his gear, and then he left. I, yeah, I and, and people were going, oh, well, I think maybe somebody killed him. Yeah, I was like, man, and he then got, uh, deep in the sharks. And then, like maybe twenty four hours later, they they found his car abandoned. But then what happened? He got his his lady friend picked him up and <laughs> took him up to Hattiesburg or something like that. <laughs> and then and then all hell broke loose with you know with the wife. And so he hasn't been, he hasn't been seen since. <laughs> I think he put his reed in his uh, case oh. and went home. <laughs> We'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, you can't say that. <laughs> now here's, here's a word from Good RX from, from the Parent Teachers Association. <laughs> How about those saints? <laughs> now there was Larry Keaton. He played at Capone's. This is when I was younger. He was an older gentleman, but he started playing on the Mississippi River like cruises that they have down there. Um, but yeah, like I said, there's not a lot uh, of. <laughs> That's funny. That's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, that's okay. I could be a big fish in a small pond. I there, guess. That, there you go. For you a know. long time, I was the only one doing crooning down here. Yeah. So it was like nobody. It wasn't like when I ran to other musicians. It wasn't competitors or anything. Because we do totally different things. A lot of people did. Yeah. Now a lot. I've seen a lot of people come in here and they're bringing that, um, just the standards, the oldies with them, and there's you know, and which hey, highly. Yeah, but you're the Mac Daddy. You're no, the one. You're, I, yep. See, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be the guy, and everybody's going to be. You're going to be the measuring stick. Yeah, yeah. So, um, any other <laughs> bits of information <laughs> you want to share, buddy? Well, 
And then guess what so-and-so's doing? Well, <laughs> you won't believe Whenever you uh, load in down at Martini's, be careful. That's uh, uh, that's fine. Uh, but, oh. Yeah. Where is, hey, where is Martini's? Isn't that View Marche or? No, it's it's uh, the corner of, uh, almost the corner of Howard and Kybet. It's across the street from the baseball stadium. So they're trying to take all that area yeah. and make it like that. The, they're doing like the, an the, urban the renewal place, thing. Which, they're, hey, I mean, I never went down there. Oh, well, that's that's exactly why they're trying to do something. Which is good. Like yeah. to my age group, I mean, we preferred downtown Ocean Springs, right. uh, some of the casinos. Well, I, I it, hate it to would say be this, nice but to... right after the hurricane, I think the city of Biloxi missed it because they could have easily had what Government Street has. Mm-hmm. Um, or in Bay St. Louis, too. Bay like St. Bay. Louis. Well, Bay St. Louis is more, yes, but is more like Ocean Springs, with kind of exactly. book, bookending the whole what thing. What I'm saying is it almost like cleaned oh, up. I it, see. it wiped it out, and yes. they pretty much built the way they had it vision, and they right. did a very good job. Well, when Vumarche uh, came to be, uh, I, guess, I don't remember, I guess it was late 70s or maybe early 80s. Anyway, when, when it came to be where they closed it off, and it was, uh, at that time, I, I don't think any traffic... Um, they they had plans of making it like a mini Bourbon Street. They were going to do like you know cafes, except for the strip joints. But they were going to do cafes and restaurants and and bars, you know, pubs type thing, you know, entertainment that kind of thing. And um, very quickly, the, uh, uh, the the attorneys and the banks and all grabbed those spots because it was perfect for them. So it it kind of never became what they had visioned it to be. Yeah, envisioned it to be. Um, whereas Ocean Springs, and now they're trying to get back to that, but Ocean Springs, uh, they they came out pretty good after the, not immediately after Hurricane Katrina, but it, like you said, kind of wiped it clean, and then there was like Quitsky's and uh, Government Street Groceries, and I think Mosaic were the three that were there, um, and then you see what has happened. It's just built and built and built. In fact, it, I think it's, it's very rare you say something like this, but it's so busy it's outgrown itself i mean it's got i mean there's well, just the, so I, many people i know the mayor he said they have to move to the east um that's what they're doing they're going to start building out because i do a lot of work for the city on government and, uh, uh i don't or know if it's government period. or just period but i just know that they're trying to are you talking right. about the city itself or entertainment uh probably yeah. entertainment too because like i mean I, I keep thinking like you know wherever it stops like, you know where you're on government street and it kind of stops at the stop sign i feel like they're gonna have to keep going that way because yeah. if not it's just going to be more scattered i feel like they'd like that strip that like just yeah. one street strip um so we'll see but um well, there's um, only so much that's true feet so and much. it's they, uh it got the usa usa's uh top city in a, a small town in america was ocean springs that's this amazing. past year so Is it's that like right? Is that yeah right? so we're sitting and I, so I call this building the Mary C. We're sitting at the 1600 Studios, but it's upstairs in the Mary C. And we're sitting in the heart of the top small town city in America. That's pretty cool. So Yeah, that's great. Very grateful to have this studio pretty here, good. by the way. So. It's a great studio. Pretty good. You know, I used to come down here uh, in the 90s and, and uh, play before the uh, hurricane. There was a place called the uh, President Casino, right on the beach. Yeah, and then they had the uh, Treasure Bay when they had the uh, the ship there. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would play over at, at the President, and this is when I was working with this '50s show band, and we would get finished early, like we would be be done by like ten o'clock, right? And so I would go over to the President. I mean, over to uh, Treasure Bay. You know, the, you know the, uh, the state. Ship. 
Mm-hmm. It, it was upstairs, you know. Oh, in the in the build the building itself across on the north side of the highway. Uh, in the ship. Oh, excuse me. Okay. You know when they still had the boat there, about. right? And I mean, and these were all local bands, and I mean there was like a lot of really good local music going on then. I mean, I went, wow, what a scene here. Yeah. But it but it seems like after the storm, was it like, did a lot of people move away? Yes. A lot of people, for lack of work, obviously, I mean, scattered. And some okay. came back and some didn't. But there was, there was a lot of good music. Oh, but, yeah. I mean, great bands. They also had, I remember um, Eddie McDaniels was a sound guy. I think he may, may have even had something to do with the booking at, at uh, on the ship. Treasure. Really? Because mm-hmm. now this is the second or third time I've heard yeah. how good the booking or the or the music yeah. was, and there was especially band- Treasure Bay of back in that day. Yeah. There, there were bands out of Nashville that would come down too. Yeah. There, there was these, I remember these uh, twins, these these uh, women, uh, girls, uh, very attractive and very talented, and they had a backup band, and they, I remember them playing. But there was there was a lot of bands, a lot of music, music and musicians coming through. It does seem that like there was more band. I mean, I was I was a kid in '90s, but my dad was playing with a right. band called Coast, and uh, it just seemed like that there was a lot more bands. There was there there were, and, and I mean, uh, I guess everybody was on that verge of like you know getting to the next level where you start heavily gigging the area, and then maybe you might move into a regional thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder what kind of. I don't know if it, I'm sure Katrina has something to do with it, but maybe it's this the streaming thing where you can just put all your music out there and you don't have to. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. It's uh, you know, the, I don't know if it's lack of audience. I I don't believe that, but I I don't know. It has changed in that respect. It used to be a lot more bands. Yeah, or maybe the businesses said, hey, you know, instead of us paying That's five true. guys right. whatever they want, like we're gonna pay one or two guys. Right, and we're gonna well, yeah, that's true too. That's, that's why I've, there's a lot more Cost solos and duos. And yeah, maybe a little bit of trios out there. You're like Beau Rivage when they had the 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 brew pub back mm-hmm. there, and and uh, when Scott was here talking about the band yeah. playing, and and I remember going over there after my gigs and seeing them, and it was packed. I mean, it was just so many people, and just night after night during the week, and what yeah. it, then it, I don't know if that one transferred. I know it's like the sports book now, but I don't know if that used to be the coast. It, yeah, that yeah, that was it. It was always a DJ in there when I went in there. Well, so see, moved, that was moved afterwards. From, they moved and, from and, bands to DJ, and that might ex- be exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, why pay six people an exorbitant amount of money when you can only pay one, and he's making or she's making a really good living, but it's still much less percentage wise. It's it comes down to P and L. You know, it comes down to the the almighty dollar, I guess. But well, you know, it's like what happened out in Las Vegas. You know, what 10, 15, 20 years ago. All the big uh, casinos and hotels had these big shows, and they had you know a twenty-piece band. And right. They were paying all these guys, and everybody was, you know, and all the players were making good money and making a good living out there. And then, powers to be went, well, you know, we can just put everything on tracks, and we can not have to pay all these people, and just have instead of a twenty-piece band, we'll have a a five-piece band mm-hmm. because you know. The low, you know, the people who come to see these shows, for the most part, oh, they're not going to know the difference, you know. Yeah, we know, which is kind of sad. But, it's very sad. Yeah, but that's what. Besides the obvious, the gambling in Las Vegas, it was it was because my parents, when they were young, used to go over there. Uh, they lived in California, and um, 
Yeah, it was, you know, the, the big shows, you know, Dean and Frank and going oh, yeah. up your, your alley. You my, know. Gra- my grandmother yeah. always, I, but she was a huge fan of Liberace. Yes, obviously millions were. Yeah. And he was a very talented person. That, that generation person, you know? loved Liberace. Yeah. Sure, but, but that whole thing of the big shows and bringing them in and the $1.99 steak and egg breakfast, you know, 24-7 and all those days are long gone. Oh, I mean, Elvis Presley. He was there for early the big 70s. E. Yeah. That's right, baby. Worry about peanut butter and jelly Come sandwich. On, man. Come on, son of red, help me out, baby. But it, that's the thing too, like why I really respect the music of the past because it was complex and you had to have yes. organization and multiple, multiple musicians to pull a lot of that music off, and right. it all had to be live. What? What? Here's a scenario I hadn't thought about. What? What if they had had tracks back then? I mean, we would be. They would probably, that be? Would you think that would have affected the era? Or? I, I think innovation. It will always dictate the direction we go. So like, you know, you have these musicians that start with just music and instruments. And then if they had that technology earlier, we would be in a totally different realm, but we would have never been like, they would have definitely used it. Someone's like having an air conditioning unit. You were like, oh, I don't know. Like, ah, you're going to flip that on and be like, I don't want to go outside anymore. Like, I'd rather have the fan and sweat. <laughs> <laughs> so what I, what I think is our music, if they had the technology we have now, back in the day, we would be somewhere else somewhere else and we'll probably hear that type of music in 30 to 40 years yeah makes sense be robots created by elon musk yes (laughs) my favorite dance the robot (laughs) still got the moves you are a sexy dancer i am a sexy dancer (laughs) yes i'll put my shirt back on now no, keep it off. <laughs> I told Hank, I said, uh, we're going to be moving to, to video because right now we're doing, this is all an audio podcast. And he's like, man, I guess I'm going to have to put my pants and my shirt on and I can't sit That's here right, in my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> There's a thought. So what do you think about all this? You know, have you, have you ever done a podcast? I have not. Oh, so this is your first time. But I heard some of your podcast two or three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. We just, we kicked off uh early december it was yeah, good he he was we talked about having him buddy first and that's then, right that's right you couldn't make it and then we had scott and uh which certainly is not a question of no our top who's 10, next our top we we, we made a list in no, of the top in, no 10, in no certain order and we're, and we're hitting those top yeah. tens right now okay in, in no certain order so uh and then we had thomas edwards on you your, did your buddy thomas oh my god <laughs> <laughs> And we got Eddie McDaniels the, next week. Yeah. The world according to Thomas, who we love. Oh, he introduces the episode too. He starts off with singing. It's it's good. You'll you'll hear it. Thomas is another fixture from the uh, Yes, coast. he is. He's been here forever. Yes, he has. Um I love Thomas. I really got I, love I really like getting to know him because I've heard his name. He he lived close to my dad and he knew my family. And I hear these names as mm-hmm. I'm a kid growing up around the music industry. It's a local music industry, but I hear these names, and so when I meet them, it's like, so this is you're, you're Thomas right. Edwards. Mm-hmm. Like I've heard you, I've heard your name all my life. Yeah, good picker. Have you talked to Wayne Sharp? No, we haven't talked to Wayne. Wayne is uh, heard of his name. Great, great B three player. Um, it's been around another one around the coast forever, forever. Um, has gone off play big blues uh, player. Played with Michael Burks and. Uh, a bunch of other people, a lot of session stuff, does a thing, uh, yeah. uh, Almond Brothers, like a Oh, that's cool. Tribute. It's called the Mushroom Brotherhood. Yeah. Now, I know you, wait, I do have a question for you. You play with, you, you play with George Thurgood. 
Have you played with anybody else that's like a recognizable name that some of the guests may know? Uh, you know, not really. really? Uh, well, you played with Dinah Shore. I remember that. I played with Dinah Shore's uh, dog sitter. That's right. Uh, uh, Beverly. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I, I really haven't had any like big gigs uh, until I got to, you know, the, the thing with George. You know, I was just doing, just beating the streets and doing whatever I could do. What's the stress like on the road? Like when you are touring, is, is it, I mean... Is it stressful? Is it is it enjoyable? What would you say your experience has been? It's actually pretty cool, you know. Um, you know, people go, "Oh, wow, man!" So, so you guys got to have like wild and crazy parties and all this stuff going on. I went, "No, man." Yeah. You know, we're up into the you know we're we're at the age now where we just we like it pretty calm, you know. But uh, but it's a a well run organization, you know. We have a, a great um, um, a team of uh, you know are like the the road manager keeps everything we're on a pretty much the same schedule like every day you know that's cool you know so when so when we're touring in, in the states you know we we uh, we have tour buses we usually have two or three tour buses you know George have a bus band have a bus then we have a seven or eight uh, man crew and a couple of trucks and it's pretty much the same schedule every day. You so know? the structure is there and it's, and you know what you're getting and when. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much the same schedule. You know, you, you know, we know when we got to check out the hotel. We know when to go over to the, over to the gig. We know when we eat, we know when we play, we know when we're going to leave again. And then it's pretty much the same thing the, the next day. Did you, when you go over to like Europe, do you actually have time to like step outside and like look at all the sites or not really? Sometimes, um, you know, we might have a day off, you know, where we will have a time to, you know, roam around and take some pictures and kind of see and, and kind of see the sights. That's cool. But um, when we were when we were over in Australia and on that and on that tour, we had one day off. You know, and we didn't tour over there like we do here in the states. We don't have buses or anything. We had to fly everywhere. So if, if we had a day off, we were flying to the next city. So it was. It was pretty hectic, you know, but, you know, we, you know, we stop and see things whenever we can, you know, so I've been very, I mean, I've been very lucky, you know, to see the world, you know, so I'm thankful. I've always wanted to go to Europe. So it's amazing. You actually get to do what you love, but also get to yep. tour all those sites and say you've been there. Europe is very cool. Uh, like you need to go like during the summer, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. But there's parts of Europe that are just beautiful so where so right now it is early january um are y'all going on tour with george are y'all on tour right now are y'all about to go on tour like well we just got finished uh we got we just uh finished up our last show we, we did 93 94 shows last year wow and, and so we're, we're kind of on a little break right now uh we have a four-day cruise it's the uh, rock legends cruise it's in uh, february so, oh, that's cool. Uh, Roger Daltrey, Deep Purple. Oh, wow. And George Thorogood will be the three main acts. And then, then on the boat, there's several other bands. So it's like, like a four-day cruise to the Bahamas, which is kind of fun. And, uh, and then things will start back up in, in March. Uh, we've got a 10-day run at the end of March, like out on the West Coast. And then in... April, we'll have four weeks of uh, Canada. We start on the 
west side and work our way all, all the way over to the east side. So um, I think we're going to have about 60 to 75 shows for, for this year. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And so I'm excited to see where all that goes. And like, if he, if y'all, when, are y'all playing anywhere around here or no? I haven't seen anything. Um, we played here at the Bow in May uh, last year. Okay. But I haven't seen anything on the schedule yet for anything in this area, or, or at least not not yet. Well, if I if I do ever get to go see George Thurgood, I'm gonna actually go to see George Thurgood. But also, I'll hook Buddy you up, Lynch. man. Buddy Leach. Buddy Leach. That's yeah. right. He said he'd hook you up, man. I don't I'll know what that means, up. but I tr- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hook you up. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get you a cable. Good cable. <laughs> so, buddy, you have a uh, endorsee with Selmer, correct? You're an endorsee. I do. Endorsement I got deal. an endorsement deal through uh, Selmer Saxophone, Selmer Kahn, um, which is a wonderful thing. So I'm, I'm hooked up. We have uh, three separate sets of gear that we take out on the road. We have uh, one main set of gear and then two fly uh gear and so uh selmer has uh, well and the company got uh eight new saxophones for me to, to you know to use on the road which is great for, for those who don't know what selmer is uh selmer is a uh a, a company that makes uh woodwinds uh saxophones clarinets flutes one of the foremost companies it's, it's yes highly uh, regarded in the music industry yeah and um and the saxophones i use are the uh, paris silmer which is the top of the line horns so um wow so i've been having to uh i mean for forever i've been having to you know fly my own personal horns but now i don't have to, to do that anymore so and which which horns do you play soprano baritone uh, alto tenor uh, with George, I play alto and tenor, mostly tenor. Uh, the only time I pick up the alto is on the bed of the bone solo. So it's, it's just all mo- oh, that's cool. mostly tenor. That's great. Yeah. So, um, we're happy for you. Yeah. So I've been uh, very blessed to be able to have some very nice instruments to, uh, you know, to play. That's really interesting to hear. Like- Thank you. Kind Selmer. Yeah. Well, uh, Buddy, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's it's really great to get to know you, and uh, I'm definitely going to let people know like when they ask for solo acts, I'll push your name as much as possible because oh, cool man, it'd be nice to have yeah. an, another person on the saxophone roaming in the yeah. streets around here. Well, and then uh, well, Jesse, it's nice to meet you, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hank, sir, so good to see you. Good to see you, <laughs> sir. You better believe it. Well. Uh, From the High Note Podcast, I'm Jesse Hill. And I am Hank Berman. And I'm Buddy Leach. Y'all have a great one, and until next time.